Good morning. My name is Laura. If I if we haven't already met, um, that is very sad. Please do come and speak to me after. My name is Laura, and I am a part of the team here at Lagan Valley Vineyard. I am the connections pastor here at, at LVV, and I and the only reason why I'm telling you that is because we're talking about hospitality, and that is largely a part of what I do here at LVV. Lots of people don't really understand what I do. I'm not sure that I do either, but you would know I. You know that if I wasn't doing it, I wouldn't be here, and then you would know. You know, like one of those things. Um, Yes, my name is Laura. We are in week two of our new um, series called Tables, exploring the importance and the significance of hospitality, how we welcome and care around meals and in our homes, how Jesus loved people into the kingdom, and how he calls us to do the same our city. You've maybe never really explored what it means to be the most hospitable person in your city. That seems like a very grand title, but that is something that we kind of want to go after, that we want to be known as a community of people who are hospitable at any time in any need. I feel it is important for me to say that I am no expert on this just because I am employed to do this. I know very little about it probably, um, but I'm a good learner and I am learning. And in this next 20 minutes, this is going to be a bit of a reflection and an insight into what my learning has been and how we can kind of go there together. I'm learning what it means to be a hospitable person. And in this new season of my life, I am learning with my husband, Pete, what it means to be hospitable as a couple. For those of you who don't know why that was exciting, I just got married. (laughs) But we love marriage here, and that's very exciting. Um, So what do you think of when you think of hospitality? Why don't you turn to the person beside you? What do you think of? What do you think of when I say the word hospitality? Or you can shout some things out. To be honest, I don't really. The first thing that comes to my mind is not church, and it's not Jesus. That's terrible. Um, that is the, the answer always. But to be honest, whenever I think of hospitality, I think of hotels, and I think of meals. I think of gathering around the table with people that I really love, and I think of opening my home. That's what I think of. And the hospitality that we are talking about is not about lavish parties. Or is it for the most extroverted people in the room? Or is it being invited to certain people's homes, the people that we really like? Or is it, or nor is it about us just inviting the people that we like? Hospitality is a biblical command to love others and to love at any cost. To eat, drink, and create environments for people to be welcomed into a life of love and transformation. To make the life of Jesus accessible to their life and for the reality of community to permeate the depths of their heart. It is not solely the act of opening your home or having a nice meal, although those things are lovely. You can do all of these things, actually, and completely miss the point of hospitality. So what does it mean Our homes might be our platform, and your platform might be a range of different things. And in this community, your platform might be healing on the streets. It might be tots and toasts. It might be tribes. You might serve in a tribe. You might go to a tribe. It might be Sunday morning environments where you actually serve on welcome. You serve on kids' team, or you serve on worship and AV. But whatever that is for you, your family, your workplace, fill in the blank, wherever your platform is where you host people, But really, whatever your platform is, it does not measure the depth or the meaning of your hospitality. You might be in all of those environments, and we can actually completely miss the point. 
What turns entertainment into heavenly hospitality is the posture and the meaning that is found in your heart. And when we look at Jesus' example, the stories of people experiencing who he was, his invitation, his hospitality, he didn't operate out of a fixed home. He didn't have a criteria of who could or couldn't experience it. It wasn't about the most popular. It wasn't about the people who we think they're on stage or they're of a high position in our church. We should have them over for dinner. It wasn't like that. He ate with sinners, he ate with outcasts, he ate with the poor, he ate with the rich, he ate with his friends, and he ate with strangers. He loved people at the point of their need, and he left them better for it, calling them to a life to do the same. Sinners left transformed, the sick left healed, the lost were found, and he moved strangers to friends, and he calls each and every single one of us to live a life like that. Joshua W. Jepp says it beautifully when he says, hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of a guest. Hospitality often uses the basic necessities of life, such as the protection of one's home, the offer of food, drink, conversation, and even clothing. The primary point of hospitality is to create a safe and welcoming space where the, the stranger can be converted into a friend. This morning, I want to focus on the importance of having a hospitable heart. Not to diminish the importance of opening homes, of serving on teams, or having meals, or extending a hand to people in this way, because that is essential. That is the platforms and where we invite people to. But we start with the heart because that is where it flows from. So if you want to join me, we're going to pray before we get kind of stuck into the text. Jesus, we are so grateful for your presence. We are grateful for your words. And I pray that as we gather together as a community to soak ourselves in whatever it is that you have for us this morning, may you make our hearts sensitive. Father, may your presence be tangible. And we are just so thankful that we get to be in this space with you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Whenever I think of hospitality, I think of my mom. I think of how she beautifully and lovingly puts together a meal for whether or for our family or for our guests. I think of the table that we sat at our entire lives, sharing conversation, sharing arguments mostly. We shared heartbreak, we shared good news, we shared bad news, and sometimes we just shared food. The silence was the conversation itself. We shared it with family and we shared it with friends. We have shared it in the excitement of wedding season, and we have shared it in the deep sadness of grief and loss. We have gathered in every season around this big wooden chunk of a table. And we share much of life around tables, our meals with our families, the lunch table and work, the table of conversation over coffee in our house. I live in my, I grew up on a farm, um, and a farmhouse is kind of weird. It's kind of the only place that I know where you can walk into your own kitchen and a stranger will actually welcome you. You know, like anyone is welcome at any time. It could be anyone there and they introduce themselves to you and you're like, I don't really have the heart to tell you that this is where I live, but, and they'll offer me a cup of tea. Um, it is a place of business. It is a place where we make food, a place to host, a place for strangers, a place for family and a place of friends. And when you think about your kitchen, so much happens in it. So much conversation, the coming and going of people, the coming and going of your family and your friends, people who you don't really know. 
My mum is the kind of woman who makes a little bit extra every evening in case someone drops in, in case someone might need it, and she freezes things in case someone is in need of a meal. Usually my dad, when she goes away, like she has to be super, super prepared and she'll have to like write on it when it was made and how long they should put it in the microwave for because they have no idea what they are doing in the kitchen. Um, and she remembers all the little details of people's favorite things. She bakes and she cooks to help people feel at home and to feel cared for. Her love language is the ability to make anyone feel at home in her house, a place that is not only ours, but for the time that you're there, it is also yours. And now that I have a home of my own, I realize the amount of work that she has put into her gift. And not that we ever neglected our thanks to her, not at all, but I realized the amount of hard work that she has done over the years to cultivate this place, this space, and for this culture to be accessible to all people. To welcome anyone at any given moment, she is prepared, but she is also willing to invite complete chaos whenever it surprises her. She has created this posture over many years of prayer, graft, and openness to be interrupted by people and by God a willingness to marvel at the opportunity. She grew her ability to be hospitable in her home, but also within her heart and within her resources. She did not hide them for herself. She did not gather up places where nobody else could join, but she made a haven for her home for people to come in and out of. So what does it mean for us to be the most hospitable people in our city? To prepare and cultivate a place in your heart where hospitality is possible at any table, not just our own, with any person at any time. And it will demand your conversation. You're on the train, coming home from work, and you're like, I do not want to speak to anyone. That is the place where you host. It will demand your conversation, it will demand your time, and it will demand your resources. But it will have the opportunity to usher people into the kingdom with grace and with true relationship. And if your home is a place where you desire for people to find rest, to find life, to feel at home, I encourage you to invite it. It will not just stumble upon your doorstep. You will have to pray for it, you will have to create it, and you will have to be ready to marvel at the opportunity when it comes your way. Stu mentioned last week about a guy called Jean Vanier. I won't lie, the first time I heard Jean Vanier's name, I read it as Jean Vanier. And then Stu was talking about it, I was like, oh, that's that guy, I didn't know how to pronounce his name. And he started homes all um, across the world called Larch, where he gave dignity and friendship to adults with learning difficulties. And this is a quote that someone sent me last year as we moved into a time of double services. And this quote has stuck with me, I think, probably most weeks since I have read it. To welcome is one, to welcome is one of the signs of true human and Christian maturity. It is not only to open one's door and one's home to someone, it is to give space to someone in one's heart, space for that person to be and to grow, space where the person knows that he or she is accepted just as they are, with their wounds and their gifts, that implies the existence of a quiet and peaceful place in the heart where people can find a resting place. And if the heart is not peaceful, it cannot welcome. To welcome is not just something that happens as people cross the threshold. It is an attitude. It is the constant openness of the heart. It is saying to people every morning and every moment, 
you can come in. It is giving them space. It is listening to them attentively. To welcome means listening a great deal to people and then discerning the truth with them. In order to welcome, there must be a peaceful space in the hearts of those welcoming and a peaceful space in the community for a person to find a place of rest and a place of growth. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Stu's talk from last week, I would encourage you to do so. It frames this whole series. We desire to see people gather this series is that we set up our year as we mean to go on. We desire to see people gather around your tables, to gather around your lives, and for people in all stages of life, for strangers to become friends, to make room for all people. Life is to be shared. The riches of what others can teach you and allow you to be a part of is a total gift. And I mean this with my whole heart. The kind of tension that have been the last three weeks of celebrating marriage and of walking through people in a time of need and a time of hurt. Life is to be shared, and it is really beautiful when you do. And when we see the way Jesus offered his hospitality time and time again in the Gospels, the fascinating thing is that Jesus was never actually in his own house. We kind of confine it to this space. In his space, it was interrupted with time and people wherever he went. And hospitality is not about homes or the platforms in which we decide that we can welcome people in. Hospitality is born in the heart of all disciples, and we carry it wherever we go. The value of your hospitality does not lie in the size of your bank account, the size of your home, the worth of your belongings, how well you can roast a chicken, or how good the roast potatoes are. The beauty of your belongings It actually lies in the ability of disciples to be present with people and present with Jesus in a daily capacity. The ebb and flow of you receiving hospitality from Jesus, his love to transform you by the warmth of his welcome to giving you, for you to give that away. You give it away because we have received it deeply. So what can we learn? One, how Martha reacted. Two, how Mary reacted. And three, how Jesus reacted. If we want to go back to where where Stu read in Scripture, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke 10, it's on page 721 of the Bibles. And we're just going to take some time to go through this. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. The more I read this passage over the week, the more I began to wonder of the tone of Martha and of Jesus. Not just the blank words on the page, but the tone of which it is said. And the more I read it, the more I felt like Martha was excited. Jesus was in her home, this man who raised Lazarus from the dead in her home. She knew that he was traveling from village to village and the stories were traveling and she wanted to prepare a table worth giving to him. And you could understand that. Like if Jesus was coming to your house, you wouldn't just throw something together. You would actually probably try to make the best roasties you have ever, ever made. And she wanted to prepare something that she felt was worth the value of who he was in her home. 
a table that was looking its best, food that tasted its finest. Because to be honest, we want people to experience good things in our home. We would be telling fibs if we didn't. We want people to experience that. And that is a good thing. We are not saying that that's a bad thing, but we can relate. And in those days, you could determine a lot about people by who they had in their homes. It was like social currency, who you ate with, who you dined with, how you ate and what you ate, really, really said a lot about the kind of person that you were and the kind of money that you had and the kind of hierarchy of social structure. Pharisees didn't eat with sinners or with anyone who they deemed to be lower than them. People of high position didn't eat with people of a so-called lower position, social classes or religion. But Jesus did and he welcomed everyone and allowed everyone to welcome him. There was no one that he said that they weren't good enough to be with. So here was Martha entertaining Jesus, the one everyone was talking about. And at that point of Jesus' story, everyone wanted to be with. And she asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Every time I read this, I laugh because I think of the amount of times I've said to my mom, Mom, tell him to help me. (laughs) And we can all relate to that. And he said, Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has... And you can tell, and it will not be taken away from her. And you can tell by the way that she asked Jesus, show Mary what is right. Tell her to help me. And I really feel for her in this moment because she genuinely feels like what she is doing is the right thing. I am trying to prepare my home for you, the Messiah, God in flesh in my home. She thought what she was doing was the best use of her time. And I wonder, have you had this thought process before? You can almost put yourself in her position. Jesus usually traveling in this stage, it says at the start of this, that he was with the disciples. So she was thinking, I have so many people to feed. I have so much to do. And it's time to open my home. These people are in my home. I get to have them here. What a joy. And she thought he might be tired, he could be hungry. This is my opportunity to treat him like a king. And there Mary was, bothering him, asking him for more. She's so greedy. You know, you could imagine the eye roll that Martha gave Mary in that moment. And yet Mary's reaction is so, so different. There she was, marveling at the fact that Jesus was in her home, in her company, And all she could do was fall and bow in his presence, to sit at his feet. And it was said that whenever the the disciples were listening to to Jesus, they would sit at his feet as kind of a posture of learning. And she was taking this posture, a sign of respect and a sign of wanting to be taught by the Messiah. He mentions how Mary has chosen the correct portion and that his presence, the closeness to the Father, was of the utmost importance, the greatest possession of our lives. He brings her to what Scripture repeatedly tells us, both directly and indirectly, and it infers to it all the time. But I'm going to take you to Psalm 16, verse 5 to 8. And it says, just let this rest on your heart. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He is our portion. He commands, commends Mary for her attention to his presence, for the ability to prioritize what was right in that moment, not because he requires it, but because he knows what is best for us. For all we know, maybe she fell to her knees in humility, in total joy, and in amazement. And I wonder what you would do in that moment. Honestly, I, Stu came to me a couple of weeks ago and he said, you can have a couple of choices for what you would like to speak on. And my whole, I don't know, like adult life, since you're 18, if you're an adult when you're 18, and I have never wanted to speak on Mary and Martha because honestly, I live in the tension of these two women, I think, every week of my life. That ability to want to say, these things are really important to prepare a table worth giving but also never allowing it to become our master. Can I welcome the band to come up? I want to take you back to a few years ago. Um, I remember whenever I started to work for LVV, I was just in this real place of flourishing and of growth, and it was amazing. I moved into quite a low season of my life, and it, re it really happened without me knowing. And I moved, we had just moved from Pond Park to this wonderful new venue. And I was happy that while we now have the smallest kitchen facilities known to Lisburn, I was actually just happy if you were in Pond Park. I remember this during the week and I was kind of gobsmacked by how grateful I should be that we actually had to walk from the primary school to the community house to make the tea and coffee, to bring it back, to then bring it back to the community house. And I actually, whenever we arrived here, was just glad that the kitchen was in the building. And I remember the feeling of excitement and deep gratitude the month that we opened up here. I found myself loving that we had a home, a place to call ours, a home to invite people in. But as the week and it felt tiring and it excitement for welcome and serving became one of work and it felt tiring and it felt exhausting. And there was something that changed in my heart and I just didn't, I did not realize it until this one moment. I felt like I was creating a place for community, but I was not experiencing community. I was not, I did not feel a part of a community. And I don't know whether or not you've walked in here and you've ever felt like that. You feel like everybody else is having community and you feel like you're not. I could see people worshiping and getting to know one another, but I felt like I was on the outside. I felt like I was the help and you were all the guests. And I started to remove myself because something needed to be done. The tea needed to be made or something needed to be cleaned up. Someone needed to ask a question. And I started to become better in my heart without knowing. Everybody else got to have the moments, the words, the prayer, the time in worship. And I remember a night where we had decided to do a meal for 100 people with no kitchen. And Andy and James were leading, James was leading worship, and Andy was leading a time of response, and you could tell that the Holy Spirit was doing something. I was standing at the back where I usually stand, and I could see it happening, and it was beautiful. But I could also see everything that needed to be done. So I removed myself, and I started to do the things that needed to be done. 
It looked like I was serving, but I was actually really annoyed that no one was helping me. It's like, look at all those people. But all of the preparations needed to be done. And Yvette came down to the back. She put her arm around me. I don't think she'll ever, she remembers this. And she put her arm around me and she gently coaxed me into the room. And I was amazed at her in this moment. She turned around to me and she said, isn't this amazing? And what she was inferring to was there was a hundred people in a room who had shared a meal, but the worship in that place was unbelievable. The presence of God was just, you could feel it. And she said, thank you for your planning. This is truly amazing. I was amazed at her ability in this moment to see me. She gently transferred her maturity over to me for a brief moment to help me gain perspective. I had created a better place in my heart where I forgot my honesty before him, my love for why I did it all in the first place. And what shown was a compassionate sense of leadership and it sometimes it's easy to be present. We read these passages of scripture and sometimes it's easy to remove ourselves and think if Jesus was sitting right in front of me, if he were in the room, of course I would be Mary. Of course I would be her. Hands down, I would be at the feet of Jesus. I would be worshiping him. I wouldn't be a Martha, no way. There have been many moments where we have taken the persona of both of these women. And the truth is we distract ourselves all the time if we're being really honest, even if they are good things. They could be things that we are doing for Jesus, things for the kingdom. It can actually be like me, your ministry itself, and it can be distracting you from his presence. We all have our own distractions and we all have to deal with them. But what he wants you to do is to bring them to him. And over time, Jesus, in his gentle leadership and his deep compassion and his heavenly hospitality, he will always call you back. will always make room for you at his table. And Jesus' reaction was that he's seen all that happened. He's seen every people, every person in the room. He took both people into account. So if you're sitting here in this room this morning, you think, I think it's very easy for Jesus to speak to Adrian Hyde. I think it's really easy for people to speak, or for Jesus to speak to Stu. I think it's really, really easy for him to speak to everybody else, but I don't think that he really knows. He extended hospitality to both of those women and everyone in that room that day, catering for their specific needs and their hurts, the wounds and their joys. Serving is a key and essential part of spiritual disciplines, but without his presence, they are simply good deeds. He is the meaning of it all and the reason why. To take us back to where we began, hospitality begins and is sustained by knowing that he welcomed you first. He welcomed you first. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you think, I need that reminder again. Our hospitality, our homes and our lives are not simply to maintain Christian relationships. They are to usher people into the kingdom of heaven in a graceful and gentle response. The Father relentlessly goes after humanity to welcome us into his kingdom. Being the most hospitable people in our city means cultivating a welcome and an attitude of an open heart. A place where people can be present in that moment. A space where you have an open heart and a place to bring people. Marvel in the opportunity at any place and at any time. Maybe this morning you've become distracted. You're distracting yourself because sitting at his feet feels awkward. 
In that moment, I didn't want to be in the room. I wanted to be in the foyer, really. I wanted to be tidying up because I could not face the awkwardness of his presence. Surrender feels uncomfortable. It never feels comfortable, very rarely. Distracted by many things, but one thing is needed. You are distracted by many things, but one thing is needed. Mary's first response was to prioritize his presence. And we long to be a community marked by his presence, that our natural response is to fall at his feet, to live in the way and the life of Jesus, that on a daily response, we would be listening and reacting and ushering people into his kingdom. That is our call. Our natural response is to fall at his feet. We are going to respond this morning in a song And the song that I've chosen this morning is, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. I haven't been here in a while. This morning, as you come here, if this is your first time, if you haven't been here in a while, I hope that you feel the welcome and the presence of Jesus this morning as we sing. I hope that whatever distracts you, even the good things, they might be your kids, your work, your dreams, your ministry, that you lay it at his feet and you experience the welcome of his presence this morning. Will you please stand as we worship?